What's up, champs? Welcome to another episode of the Short Shifts Fantasy Hockey Podcast, brought to you by Keeping Carlson on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Jeremy Versillo, and joining me tonight, my pal and yours, Shams Benamore. How are you doing on this fine, fine Thursday evening, Shams? This is our first all-rookie episode of the Short Shifts Podcast. Hi, we got a big flame to carry, but... Uh... Happy to do it. It's uh, both of us have a little bit in our uh, shoes so far, so uh, should take it well. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for this one. For those of you who were expecting to see or hear Lewis tonight, Lewis is actually uh, stuck without power right now, so send some good vibes his way. If you're new here, Short Shifts is a twice-weekly check-in between the ginormous Sunday evening episodes of Keeping Carlson. It's designed to keep you up to date with fantasy news, takes, and analysis all through the fantasy season. This season, we are also live on Twitch at 9 p.m. Eastern. I had to convert that from Pacific time. And so, on to the show. I think, first up, we just have a little celebration that Alex Ovechkin is back. Uh, His father passed, he went back to Russia, and now he's back and playing in today's game. Should be a nice boost for all of the Capitals. Uh, Anything you got to add there, Shams? Oh, no, it's really, it's, I'm in the same boat. And then the same idea, too, is like, um, as a Kemper manager in a couple of leagues, it's just seeing just that whole team was like, maybe deflated just in general, maybe from the sense and from the play, but uh, hopefully just him bringing it up, getting some power play goals and giving support for everybody will uh, just give the Caps a little bit of a push they need. But uh, with the next story, it might not be enough. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, Caps have been very deflated as of recently, as you said. I The Caps are actually my East Coast team, so it's been a bit frustrating watching them continue to fall. And on top of that, they made a trade today, a seller trade, not a buyer trade. They traded Dmitry Orlov and Garnet Hathaway to Boston. This is probably because the Caps really aren't in playoff contention anymore. They're in 11th place, and three of the teams ahead of them have played three less games. So it's a long uphill climb for a team that's without John Carlson. And given that they just traded players, I'm not sure Carlson will be back at all this year. And I don't think there's much fantasy impact from this trade. Orlov isn't going to be getting 27 minutes a night in PP2 anymore. So in your deeper leagues, he's gone. Maybe the Caps will sneak into the Bedard lotto and get Bedard centering Ovi. I can dream. Uh, Do you see anything here that's worth talking about? Yeah, I think it's the the big thing for me is that they're not going to be in any rush to get Carlson. Uh, Maybe it's uh, a good sign for Eric Gustafson. So even if, um, you know, the team is not going to be as good, there was like some rumors of like, oh, maybe they'll bring in someone if Carlson's not healthy to quarterback PP1. But I think it's if you're going to find a silver lining, I think it's him potentially owning that spot for effectively rest of the season, most likely. Very true. That is a silver lining. And I know Washington was one of the rumored Shane Gostas Barrett locations, so we can put that to bed and maybe Arizona will trade Gostas Barrett to another team. Next up, you had uh, another set of outjuries in, uh, after Ovi comes back. So which team are we looking at now? So the Blues are back in the news, and this time it's more of just in-house stuff and not any trades, uh, at least at the moment. So right now, um, they are playing, and they have both Bushnevich and Sad back. However, Krug is still sidelined. So while these are, well, 
I'm a fan of uh, Butchinavich. Sad's so not that much of a plus. But the nice thing is, is that they actually have some semblance of a top six. Because right now it's Saad with Thomas and Kairou, and then Barbashev, Shen, and Bushnevich. So obviously O'Reilly and uh, Teresek are not there, but like you could do worse from this. So like I think there was talks before of just saying like everyone is a downturn, but like when you have Thomas and Kairou together, I could see them doing something. And then Shen's not the greatest, but he's not like an anchor. So I feel like Bushnevich would be in a position to possibly still get points on that line. So it's just kind of more of just a a little bit better, you know, not in a dumpster, but not over the moon with them being back. I agree with you. The Blues have already started to gut that team, so I'm not really expecting much from them rest of the season. They are winning 2 nothing right now, although it's against Vancouver, and they have goals from Alexei Torpachenko, shorthanded, and Tyler Tucker, his first NHL goal, or his first goal this season, and I've never heard the name, so it may be his first NHL goal. At least Wisniewicz uh, did get the uh, shorthanded assist on that, so, you know, I, as a Bushnevich manager in two weeks, I'm finding anything I could get with him. Like, honestly, it's probably more of being happy with uh, Thomas and Kyra being together and then just cross your fingers with Bushnevich, to be perfectly honest. That is an asset for fantasy managers. Speaking of a potential asset for fantasy managers, JT Comfer on the Avs was on their PP1 in practice today, and they've had a bit of their bye week. So this is their first set of lines we've seen in five or six days. Do we care that Comfer ended up on Power Play 1? Is it irrelevant with Landis Cog working his way back? I've actually been really impressed with Comfer this season. He's playing over 20 minutes a night. He looks passable defensively, which is kind of what people wanted Alex Newhook to be at the beginning of the season. I guess that's my question for you. Should people be adding Comfer, holding him? I assume he got dropped in a lot of weeks with a bye week this week. All right, so... Funny enough is that he somehow, um, he's on my couple team and I actually held on to him because luckily I'm not in a position where I'm in a dire straits where I need a win. I have some to give, but the way I look at it is that he has been doing well. And also um, in the last few games, or at least for a while, he's been sneakily getting you blocks as well. So depending on how your league set up, it's giving us some nice value. And honestly, I was happy with how he was doing without power play one time. And to be perfectly honest, until I see Landis Gog, like actually doing things, like I see these tweets and I'm not even retweeting them to the news stories of just like Landis Gog on the ice. Hey, he's actually touching a puck now. It's like, we're really just kind of starting those baby steps. So like, to be perfectly honest, like, he could be back and your playoff fantasy playoffs could be done, like if that's even the case. So I would just personally, unless something drastically changes, pretend Landeskog doesn't exist and then apply Comfer. And then, as you mentioned, power play one and then playing in, with Rantanen on 5v5, you do a lot worse. I think that's a really good point with regards to Landeskog. Um, I, it's one of those ones where the abs may be in safe enough playoff position that he's not coming back until playoffs. They're going to Kucherov him, $18 million over the cap, whatever you call that. I, I like that advice. I, I'm more in on Comfer. I actually added him in a league yesterday because I've already locked up the one seed in that league and I'm sitting on my hands for three weeks. 
but I'm more happy with that move now that I've heard your take on it. Next up, you had some good news out of Anaheim. So, yeah, so uh, good news with a little bit of bad news, but uh, Troy Terry is back and playing. Um, to be perfectly honest, this kind of caught me off guard. I didn't see that he was practicing it. I just see the news. Hey, he's back and he's on a line. It's really, well, stacked as much as you can get with Anaheim with uh, Zegris on the wing and Strom centering them. So that is something nice to see for all of those three to be paired with someone strong on 5v5. However, Adam Henrique is seen as week to week. And while he may not be the biggest name, he was doing actually pretty well in uh, points wise for the last few games. And then what that ends up doing is now uh, McTavish is on his own line and uh, Vitrato is on his own line and they're not even together. So this might be a, one of those situations where, you know, might be a short leash for Vitrato and uh, McTavish, but. It's nice to see, like, probably you're holding Zegers anyway, but Strobe is just gonna, might be actually a decent ad in certain situations where they have a good schedule. And with how Anaheim plays, they usually have uh, different schedules that you could fit them in. So, kind of happy thing to see for those three. It is good for those three. And at this point, I think Trevor Zegers and Troy Terry may be the only Ducks worth rostering, especially in your 12-team-ish shower, shallow leagues. But we'll see. Bad luck for Adam Henrique. Fantasy-wise, he was a fringy hold anyway. That's all I gotta say. Next up, you had a surprise goalie start today. Dan Vlerar got both games of this week's back-to-back, even though he was terrible against Arizona last night. Yeah, it's a weird thing. Is that it's like, oh yeah, he only faced, I think it was like 16 shots, but like, he let a good chunk of them in, but... Uh... I think this is more of a side of just, I know a lot of people were uh, fed up, at least on the, the Keeping Carlson Discord, of how Barcher is playing. And if you were not one of the people to drop him, especially in leagues where volume matters, this might be the point where, like, it's not like Leonard had, like, a good game with light workload. As you mentioned, it wasn't that great. And now he's back again. It's... I think it's just this is just a side of like you're potentially a snoozer if you're still holding on to Marshall. I know you spent the capital of either draft picks or whatever, but it might be just time to see who you have elsewhere. And there's a good chance you have like, honestly, I would be interested, depending on your league type, like a rhymer type of just like someone on a bad team that's just going to get peppered and might get you some points that way. But like, going to have a good reason to find a way to keep Marshall on your roster. <laughs> It's funny you mentioned Reimer because in our shared Bubupfold League, I kept Markstrom as one of my eight keepers, and I think next week is the week I drop him. Uh, our playoffs start next week. You're kicking my butt this week, so I've already started loading up on players for next week. And as soon as those guys, my other guys need to come off IR, I am probably dropping Markstrom and keeping Reimer. So if you're in that league, pay attention and grab a potential keeper off the wire. All right, with that, we're going to go to a quick commercial break, and we'll be back shortly. Welcome back, everybody. We have some hot and cold streaks for you now here on Short Shifts. The first hot streak is actually paired with an injury. Montreal's Chris Weidman is week-to-week now, and if you remember, Weidman was 
kind of eating into Mike Matheson's power play time, even though Matheson has been a sneaky do-all defenseman when he's healthy this year. But Shams wanted to talk a bit about how hot Mike Matheson has been since his latest return. So yeah, so just a little FYI, because I almost got caught off guard by this, is that even though if you look at the last game, you had a... um, you looked at the power play time for the last game Montreal played. Justin Barrett actually played most of the time, but if you also look at the forwards, it was for some reason power play two got a decent amount of time. So with Weidman out, it is Matheson playing with the Suzuki power play, and it's showing well because in the last seven games, uh, Matheson had two goals and five assists. However, just to keep in mind, there was a two game period in between that where they just had a situation of just like no points. So I feel like this is going to be one of those things that especially with Montreal where like they could just end up in a game with like six, nothing for the other team that it's not going to be one of those consistent point in point out, but I feel like Matheson is going to give you points more often than like not that even if you have that like two or three dry spell of no points, just keep on riding them, but especially without Weidman. I agree. I've had a soft spot for Matheson all year. I drafted him in almost every league I'm in, then dropped him when he got hurt, and picked him up way too early in almost every league I'm in. You mentioned that the Montreal can go cold scoring-wise, but Matheson also hits and blocks a lot. Uh, Last game, he had two blocks. The game before that, six hits and two blocks. Has a couple four-block games in his last ten. I mean, he's he's playing 100% of the shorthanded time in some of these games. This is this is like the beer league defenseman who's the best player on the team, and he's going to play every minute they can put him out there. So as long as he's healthy, keep rolling him in your lineup. Next up, we have a cold defenseman that, I don't know, would you swap out Vince Dunn for Mike Matheson? I will give my take on it that I'm still hanging on to Dunn in all formats. He only has one assist in his last five games, but he's averaging 22 minutes a night, averaging two hits plus blocks per game, so not terrible on the bangers. He's actually got more power play one share than he did to start the season. Uh, The Kraken were kind of a 1A, 1B with a Dunn unit and a Schultz unit to start the season, and now the Dunn unit is getting 60 to 70% of the time. And the Kraken also have one of the weakest schedules the rest of the season. I don't know about the next week or two, but I know in our last 10 games, the Kraken play... Arizona three times, and I think Chicago twice. So, especially come playoff time, especially if your playoffs run later into the season, Vince Dunn may have a lot of scoring opportunities. At the very worst, he plays Sunday this week and Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday next week. So give him five more games, and if he goes zero points in those five games, maybe talk to me again. But, Chams, what do you have to say on this? Uh, I'm right on the board with you. And this might be just uh, seller's remorse because I'm not sure if you're the one that picked him up in our shared uh, keeper league, but there was a period, I think it was like three to five game cold streak because I had done. And then he went cold for about five games. I'm like, okay, this is just one of those defensemen that is a bagger that sometimes gets points. He's been cold. Time to try to find the next one. And then he went off on this streak. So I feel like, as you mentioned, he's put in a position to get the points. So as long as that stays, 
I'm willing to keep. And now obviously you have to check your leagues and compare what kind of people you have. But if you're in leagues that like, let's say the kerfuffle where the defensemen, especially the ones that get points are not plentiful. I would be in a position to uh, give him a longer leash than say other places. Yeah. I was the one who grabbed Don when you dropped him in the bubble and Really, the reason I grabbed him, though, was because at that point in the season, my only two defensemen were Victor Hedman and uh, Chris Letang, and they were both on IR at that point. So at one point, I had zero healthy defensemen, and I needed someone desperately. But I think the moral of the story is definitely don't drop Dunn for Matheson, but you probably want both on your team going forward if you have space. We have some hot streaks in Chicago. Patrick Kane has been making up for the awful start to his season. He looks like his old self. Maybe he just really wants to get traded, and he's dragging Max Domi along with him. How many points can these guys put up? Are they for real? Well, at least for now, it's uh, they're for real. I think it's uh, people were hypothesizing that uh, maybe this is a time when Cade's fully healthy, because there has been talks. I forget exactly what the ailment was, but he's just been kind of playing through and whatnot. So could be the case, but as you were saying, in the last five games, Cade with 10 points, and then somehow, in the same period, Domi has 11 points. Now, mind you, those were a lot more assisted goals, but either way, both of them are just going off. Now, I think this is going to be one of those situations that maybe with Cade, if you want to play the game of him on a hot streak and potentially get traded, that someone on your league I have friends and whatnot that I just love about trading for a possibly traded player and think about the exact best case scenario that he could go to and will pay the top price. Now, if you have one of those people you could possibly play that game with and like oversell on Kane, that could potentially be, but I wouldn't be the one buying either of these. Now, maybe if you're in a uh, shower league where like Dolby's hanging out in the waiver wire or like your bottom roster guy, he might be moving up, but Really what it is, is I feel like other than Sally Cade or picking up Dolby in a uh, shallow league, I feel like this is just a uh, roller coaster that you get to play with until it's uh, done. And honestly, it could finish at any point. Agreed. You can sell high on Kane. Maybe I know there's a lot of talk. Apparently the Rangers still think they can get him, even though I don't know how that works with salary cap stuff. You mentioned Kane has seven goals in his last four games, actually. The problem is those seven goals have come on 17 shots. That is like almost a, that's a 40% shooting percentage. That's, that's not sustainable. It's exciting to see him score. I like Patrick Kane. He's a great player that I remember many good things from, but not going to be sustainable. Last but not least, we have a cold streak from Blake Coleman that, uh, what were we calling that line? The uh, Eat Blake Lund line? <laughs> Lewis came up with a great name for that line, but that entire uh, that entire Calgary third line has been really good for the past month, but Blake Coleman has started to tail off, even though Mangiapane and Backlund have still been putting up points. Yeah, and that's exactly the case. And what the scary thing is, is what I've noticed is, so the last five games is that uh, Colbert has gotten nothing. And honestly, it's a third line and things are going to come and go. But the scary thing was, is that, and I've had Colbert off and on in different leagues, is that he would always be shooting. And then the weird thing that I noticed 
he either gets like five or six shots, and then there's random games in the middle that he literally did not get a single shot on goal. And then that's really where the scary part is for me. So as you mentioned, with the rest of the line still hitting, even though the team's not winning, they seem to be getting points and whatnot that uh, you might want to keep them around if like, especially if they're say in a categories league to count shots or shots have a, a decent value, but the signs are there with those couple zero shot games that that might be coming to an end. So this is going to be one of those situations of check what your uh, what's important for your categories and your league settings. And potentially you might be in a position where cutting bait and then honestly, which are shallow leagues, I think we're both in agreement that he's on a, a hold, but this is more for your deeper leagues that you might want to think about uh, getting rid of him, even if he is paired with uh, some people that are hot. Another thing to keep in mind is that in recent games, it looks like his time on ice is dipping more towards the 14 minutes a night than the 16 to 18 it was for a while. His uh, last 10 games are very interesting. In his, uh, his last 10 games, he has three five-shot games, a six-shot game, two one-shot games, and three zero-shot games. So it really is feast or famine. Uh, it's been a lot more famine lately. I think you're fine getting rid of Blake Coleman or, honestly, any of those other Calgary third-liners are streamers in most format types. That's all we have time for today. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to give us a follow at ShortShiftsKK, as well as Brian and Elon at Keeping Carlson. I also recommend you follow at Game Day Lines, at Game Day Goalies, and at Game Day News NHL to get all of the latest news nicely organized at the site gamedaytweets.com. Visit that site and the other great sites we use to research our episodes at Yahoo, Frozen Tools, and Natural Statue. Our intro and outro music was created by Pat Roach, and John Reed is our digital media producer. Until we see you next time, play smart and keep your shifts short.